Awesome. Hey, guys. How are you guys in the back doing? Doing all right back there? Yeah? Man, are we fired up about it being a CPR and it's February and everybody in this room is just a little bit stressed out, but you're here and God is here, right? It's a good place to be. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but there's this little holiday coming up, right? Called Valentine's Day. Now, I want to hear from those of you tonight who are, man, you all are in love. You found someone, Cupid has shot you with the arrow, and you are just ready to grab onto him, and tomorrow's going to be a great day. You can't wait, man. Who, who is it? Who's in here? All right. All right. All right. Now, let me ask some of the rest of you. How many of you want to smack Cupid on his baby little butt? Yeah? So we want to recognize that today, and we want to share it. Like, we all need a little bit of extra love on a day like this when we know Valentine's Day is coming up. So who needs a little bit of extra love tonight? Yeah, someone need a little extra love? All right, a little extra love in the back. A little bit of extra love over there. A little bit of extra love. All right, that's not enough, man. We need a little more love in this room. We need a little more love. So I got a little bit of help from my friends so that we can have a little more love in this room. All right, ready? One, two, three. Dang, that was a really bad throw. Y'all gotta throw some of them to the back. We need more love in the back. All right. All right, wait a minute. It's supposed to be love. All right, don't start pegging people with kisses. Man. Hey. Hey. Now, just for that, I'm keeping it. All right, tonight we're gonna, I'm gonna talk, we're gonna talk about a story about big love. Y'all know that reference, you know, big love? I'm not, I'm not talking to myself, right? You know the show? Anybody heard of it? Yeah. Big love. All right, we're gonna talk about big love tonight. And the story that we're talking about, it starts off as a real rags to riches story. A story, if you've been in church much at all, you probably heard it, right? We, a story about a young man who is a shepherd boy. He's nobody in particular, but God calls him and he becomes the king of the whole nation of Israel, right? And that young man named David, he becomes the king and eventually gets married and has some kids. And only one of those kids is going to get to be the next king of Israel. Can't have them all be king. Only one gets to be king. And the king that gets chosen is David's son named Solomon. And Solomon is a devoted young man. I mean, a man who loves God. The, the day when uh, Solomon is inaugurated as king over Israel, he sacrificed a thousand bulls to the Lord. That is some kind of barbecue. <laughs> I mean, man, it must have smelled good all over the whole country of Israel. 
A thousand bulls. I'm sorry, vegetarians. I'm just telling you what it says. Okay, that's what it says. He is a man that loves God, and God loves Solomon. He gives him gifts of wisdom and prosperity in the nation and peace that his, his father never knew. And God gives Solomon this task for his life. Build a house for me in Jerusalem. Like, no one had ever done that before. David wanted, his dad wanted to do it, and God said no. But Solomon's going to get to build a house for God. It's an incredible honor. But along the way, something happens to Solomon. Like, all of this devotion and love he has for God is there. It's not like it wasn't there. It's there, but along the way, something happens to him. And we find out in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7 that Solomon gets to the work of building God's temple. But then, after telling us all of the big stones and the, and the timbers and all of the gold that he used to build this immaculate house for God, the writer of Kings turns the camera. Those of you video students, right? You know what this means when you're going to turn the camera and show us something that we didn't expect. He turns the camera and he tells us, all of the timber and all the stone and all the gold that Solomon used to build his own house. And we find out that the house Solomon builds for himself is twice as big and it costs twice as much as the house that he built for God. We find out more. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> And we find out more along the way. We read in chapters 9 through 10 that Solomon begins to acquire this vast personal fortune. Kind of like all the pagan kings that surrounded Israel would do. And as he amasses this vast personal wealth, he's kind of keeping up with the Joneses, a king's version of keeping up with the Joneses, right? You want to look good when the other kings come in to, to talk, right? And then we have the, uh, the clincher, the thing that I'd like to read to you tonight. Um, we find out that King Solomon had big love. So in 1 Kings chapter 11, we read this. King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. You may insert, duh, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his hearts after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and Moak, Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He 
He did the same for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Along the way, something happened to Solomon. The one who built the temple of God became an idolater. How could that happen? God appeared to him twice, but somewhere along the way, Solomon lost sight of his first love. And he started looking for love in other places. Started giving love to other things. Instead of his heart staying with the true love that he had when he was young. And I, I want to suggest to you guys tonight, that guys, if it can happen to someone like Solomon, whom God appeared to literally twice and had everything going right for him, man, it ought to give, be a warning for us about how it might happen in our lives. Right? For those of you uh, who are Christians, I, I bet that there's been a time in your life when you would have, you know, burnt your thousand offerings to God, right? When you said deeply and sincerely, God, I love you, you would have gone through hell itself if it stood between you and Jesus. But sometimes life comes along. Things happen. Some of you just went to the Passion Conference a month ago. Where are my Passion people at? Right on, right? And when you're down there, you stood up and you said, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm ready. Whatever you want to do, I'm going. Go send me to Africa. I'm in Africa. Send me to Southeast Asia. God, I'm there. But God sent you back to Grand Valley. <laughs> and it seems like it's a lot harder to be faithful here. Right? Classes start. Things get rolling. And you just find yourself back in the mundane. And that deep, man, that fire that was there starts to tone down and for some of you maybe even come in a flicker right now. Somewhere along the line, our hearts start turning away from Jesus and we, when that happens, we start looking for love. Looking for love in other places. Giving our love to other things. Receiving our love from other things. Right? It's rare when we make a conscious decision to turn away from what we love. Right? It never or hardly ever happens on a conscious moment decision. Right? I just got done doing a premarital session with a couple. I have never been in a premarital session. I know, those of you that you hate Valentine's Day, I'm sorry to use this example, but I, I've never been in a premarital session that the couple has said, Scott, you know it's going to be awesome. I can't wait until one of us cheats on the other one and we break up and we get divorced and our kids get in this big mess because of it. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. No one's ever said that. But it happens. It happens. When people turn away. Never a conscious decision. Never in one moment. Right? I've never talked to a Christian that had fallen and away from God that had just woke up one morning and said, you know what? 
I'm just tired of this Christian thing. Like, I love God, but just not that much. I'm just going to, you know, check some other things out. It's always more subtle than that. It's always just a little step here, another little step here, and another little step here, and all of a sudden we find that God's way over there and we're way over here. It's always the little stuff, right? What I want you guys to to think about tonight is um, what are those little things in your life, the subtle things that are calling you back from God? The things that are turning your heart away from being fully devoted to the Lord your God. What places and relationships in your life is God just not invited? If you want to think about it as a film student, think about it like this. Where is the filmmaker turning the camera when the narrator says, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God? What's that picture look like in your life? Well, what happens next? What should we expect God to do with a traitor like Solomon? Someone who had been given all the privilege and all the opportunity you could ever ask for. What should we expect God to do? I'll be angry. And then what? Like smite him or something, right? Well, let's see what God does. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you, and I will give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will take it out of the hand of your son. But I will not tear the whole kingdom from him. I will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Should have noticed that God does not say, you've done something great for me. Because you built my temple, we're just going to let this go this time. And God doesn't say, you know, because you're the king and you've got influence, I'm going to give you another chance. No. God pronounces judgment on Solomon. The question we should ask when we read this story is why does God hold back? Why not do what Solomon deserved? Because he's David's son. Solomon the traitor gets off easy because of who his daddy is. Because God's not done with the sons of David. 
There's another person in Scripture who gets referenced all the time as being the son of David. Right? He's walking on a road to Jerusalem, and, and unlike Solomon, who comes in with lots of pomp and circumstance, all there are, are people in the road while he's sitting on the back of a donkey, and they're shouting, Hosanna, son of David. And this other son of David, he goes into the temple and he throws out all of the people who are profiteering on the worship of God and little children. They dance around him and they say, save us, son of David. And blind beggars in the street hear him coming and they yell out, have mercy on us, son of David. See, God has mercy on a traitor like Solomon because there's another son coming. A son who would not trade all of the glory for his devotion to God. Our hope, brothers and sisters, is that the same God who shows mercy to a traitor like Solomon looks at us And he has mercy on all of us who are the spiritual children of David, the children of God. The real tragedy of this story is that Solomon missed out on the glory that God wanted to bring into his life. He tried to to reach out and, and take hold of it himself. God put it right in his hand and instead of holding it, And cherishing it, Solomon tried to hold God's glory in one hand and and hold his own glory in the other. And he ends up losing them both. We can't serve two masters, right? You either love one and you hate the other. God doesn't share his glory. He wants you He wants me to be fully devoted to him. The question is, will you? Will your heart be fully devoted to the Lord your God? Because if you will, it will mean tearing down the idols that you've erected in your life. Throwing out those things that are wooing you away one step at a time from your true love. I don't want to miss out on God's glory in my life. I don't want to miss out on the promise of Jesus that I have come to give you life, life to its fullest. Do you want to go to grab hold of that? to grab hold of God's glory in your life. Because if you want to, it's going to mean making a radical decision, a decision to throw out the idols that you've erected and to throw yourself into the glory of God. We're going to uh, to pray tonight through a song and uh, through some personal time.
And while we're praying, I want you to stay sitting. Even as we start to sing the first song, stay sitting. And take out that little paper and and pen that you have. You don't need to do it right now. Let me give you the instructions first. You're going to take out the little paper and pen that you have. And if there are idols that God is bringing to your mind through his spirit as we're, we're talking tonight, I want you to write those down. And uh, as we begin to sing the, the song and as you uh, feel like it, you've, you've said, this is calling me away from you, God, and you're ready to do that, um, we'll give you some, uh, some further instructions about what we're going to do with those papers. Okay? You're going to get up and there are trash cans all around the room. Um, I'm going to invite you to just go and take that idol and do with it what should be done with all idols that stand between us and God and throw it away. And then if you, again, if you feel so compelled to, there are two crosses um, in the room, to then throw yourself toward the cross to pray, to repent if that needs to happen, to ask God for deliverance from the power of those things that are wooing you. We want you to have time to be able to do that tonight while we're singing. So as right now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer as we begin that time. But then as the, as the worship team comes up, stay seated, meditate, ask God, what are those things that need to be torn down in my life so that my heart can be fully devoted to you? Let's pray together. Lord our God, you know what you know our hearts and you love us. And your desire is for us to experience your glory in our lives. You say that in your word. You you promise that in your son, Jesus Christ. And yet, God, there are so many other things that are volleying for our love and our affection and our devotion in our lives. We pray that you would expose those things to us right now, things that we may not even be aware of. Make Make us aware of them in these moments. And we pray for the courage to make radical choices, to tear down those idols in our lives and to throw them away and to throw ourselves fully into your glory. We come now, Lord, to seek your face. Send your spirit on to us. We ask this in the name of our powerful Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Amen.